0: Welcome back, welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, part of the Paramount Podcast Network. I am Mike Casaza, once again, responding to the signal for an emergency podcast here. And this is kind of similar to previous ones, but also different in the nature that it arrived. West Virginia has added another to the basketball roster. Chris Anderson's phone blowing up about the news as we speak, because Trey Mitchell, Formerly of UMass and Texas, now part of the Mount program. We've done this before for Eric Stevenson, Joe Tucson, and even Evan Matthews. We do it for Trey Mitchell. But with a twist, Chris, because I have to take off a shoe here. 10, 11, 12, 14 players on scholarship. Tattoo on the inside of my left bicep says you can only have 13 in a college basketball team. I guess we'll get to Mr. Mitchell in a second, but what does this mean about college basketball in 2022-23 when you can briefly go over 13
1: and have to get back under? Well, I just assumed this was a a perk of being on the rules committee for Huggins, right? Isn't this what's going on here? Just uh, making it work. Don't worry about it. Get to 15 and figure it out later. I think maybe he's still transitioning from the COVID rules down to 13. I think that's what everybody gets a transition year, Mm -hmm. or at least that's what you can pitch. But this is the reality of recruiting. I mean, this has been going on for decades in all sports, you know, Hey, end up kind of you, every, everything is fluid. Nothing is definitive. Like even signatures, obviously, um, so there is going to be a move to be made. And again, I think it's interesting here. Is that the bigger story than the actual edition of said player? Twelve months ago, it's a huge rock in the lake, right? Big splash,
0: lots of ripples, because he was one of the top transfers in the portal. And part of that highly celebrated and oddly enough, Chris, highly criticized recruiting class mm-hmm. uh, at Texas. Lots of arrows from one corner of the Big 12, as we remember. But, I mean, a big-time player who was adding to his game as big, who could do some things in the perimeter. And it's really big news just from a talent acquisition. Here's a four-star top 100 player a couple years ago from Pittsburgh who also prepped in New England where West Virginia has some roots. So there's a connection here for sure. Never really danced with each other last year, and here they are doing this. And, and again, this this might not even be the end of things, which we can get to, but it's big, big news. Let's put things into canisters here. We'll talk about future roster implications for this move, maybe for a subsequent one in a second. Let's just talk about Mitchell here. 6'9", um, four-star, top 100, best player in Pittsburgh, but excuse me, in Pennsylvania, but also Connecticut while he was in high school. Um, again, played in Pittsburgh, prepped for a year in in Connecticut, so good. Big-time stats, big-time score at UMass. Um, I can go over some of the biographical stuff in a minute. And then last year, just a who-knows kind of a year, but he's going to have three years to play two seasons. That might be worth remembering because of eligibility and things. And as we speak, we don't quite yet know for sure whether or not he'll be eligible right away, if there's a waiver, if he's a graduate, if he's already used his one-time transfer. But let's just say he's on the court in the upcoming season. That's obviously the intent. Uh, Who and what do they have here?
1: I think they have a a stretch four, stretch five kind of guy that is very capable of shooting the three. Uh, I believe his his shooting percentage from three when he was at UMass was around 36% combined between the two years, 35, 36%, which when you have a guy shooting three, uh, three threes a game, that's pretty good. You'll take that. Um, he can rebound. It's not like he's you know, exclusively a perimeter type of guy. Uh, defensively, I think he can defend the post. He is a bigger body that can that can kind of bulk up against some of those guys that are going to be on the block. Offensively, it is almost entirely like an outside-in type of game. I mean, he shoots threes, as just mentioned, but when he's not shooting threes, he's not posting up. He's still picking and popping. He's still coming out to the top of the key and you watch the film from his time at UMass and it's, it's, uh, it's either shooting a three or shot faking a three and driving to the basket, which is a great mismatch against some bigger guys. I think he was able to exploit that playing in the uh, Atlantic 10 conference for UMass going against guys, teams that probably are not going to have a lot of six nine six ten bigs that are also capable of playing on the perimeter. And I think, that's part of the reason for what you saw at Texas just a, a you know a slight and we can talk more about it in a second decline in his offensive game in Austin and, and you know he obviously had to face you know other guys like him guys that are 6'9 6'10 and and can move and move their feet and stay in front of the guys on the perimeter and that shot fake and drive to the basket's not going to work as often as it did at UMass but this is somebody that could fit in with West Virginia's offense with what they're trying to do offensively while not being a liability defensively.
0: six nine two twenty 220 um, has really gotten his body into shape from where he was in that high school prep range. And, and you're right, moves. He's an outside end guy who can play inside. Uh, five 30-point games in his really kind of one-and-a-half seasons at UMass. They only played, I think, 15 games, and he was in 13 of them mm-hmm. in the COVID season, the, um, the, the season back. And then just, again, just a chemistry experiment that not everybody and everything could work out as imagined last season at Texas. He also left the team um, for personal reasons. And Chris Beard was pretty clear that it it wasn't school or local rules. It wasn't law enforcement. It wasn't anything with COVID. Um, So who knows? But the point you make about outside in is just I can't get past it. Uh. This is the team that wants to be bigger near the basket, and it adds a very good uh, four slash five, who's kind of an outside end guy. Can he be? Can he be Chris? Somebody who can play inside, who can get on the block, who can put back baskets that he grabs off the rim, or is it going to be more of the four out, five out with him? And then, is this even a bad question to ask? Because this does look like a roster that's going to have all sorts of abilities to ship to shift shapes and, and either match up or create advantages.
1: Yeah, this is not your Derek Culver. This is not your four-out, one-in guy. Uh, I mean, I guess it's possible he has the size, he has the length, but that's just not what you see on film. That's not what you saw in high school. It's not what you saw at UMass. It's not really what you saw at Texas either. Um, he is an outside-in big uh, he he is more comfortable on the perimeter. I, I'm talking offensively again. He's more comfortable on the perimeter. He's more comfortable driving. He's more comfortable facing up. He is not going to be your guy that's sitting on the low post, fighting with another big man, throwing his arm up in the air, calling for the ball so he can make a back-to-the-basket move. That's you know that's what Derek Culver was. That was a guy that, could, that you could just plant on the block and go four out, one in, and, and spread your shooters and hope that Culver could go one-on-one on the post. Mitchell's not that guy. If that's what Huggins is looking for, but I mean, Huggins knows that. Yeah, you know, he's seen him. He's played against him. Saw him in high school. Saw him in college. So that I, I just don't think that's what they're recruiting him for. But the big. So which brings me to the big question for me. Is he the second big on the court at the same time? Are we doing the second too big? Look. In Morgantown again.
0: Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, him, that's him and him and. Muhammad. I watched a video of Muhammad, and the pronounci- pronunciation of his last name was Wage. I watched another yeah. video, and it was Wagyu. Yeah. So call him Big Mo. Yeah. All right. So him and Big Mo were interesting. Um, him and Jimmy Bell, that's interesting. Him and Okonkwo, that's interesting. But he's the one that's in all these. I wonder if he's not a four um, at times, too. That could be really... And then if he's the five, who's the four? This one seemed apparent to me because... They just didn't have an offensively inclined big. And then if they – right now, the way you look at things, Pat Sumner could be playing a lot of minutes, and it just did not track if they were going to give a junior college player without really any of this experience at this level an opportunity to have a lot of experience at this level. And then, I mean, kind of a similar thing with what they did at the wing. They could have put, like, Jamel King out there. They went and they got Emmett Matthews. They could have used Seth Wilson, or they could have used Kobe Johnson in the backcourt. They went out and they got Joe Tucson and Eric Stevens, And this just seems like that they are padding um, the present and the future here. They're they're getting as many guys in that have experience and can play this year. And, and I just didn't think that there was a chance they were going to leave this one undone. I know we were talking about before, hey, they're at 13 of them at Matthews. They're done. And we kept saying no. And people kept saying how? And we just, there's ways to do it. Let's get into this too. Um, you're right. This has been happening forever. I, I think it's comical that people think all the roster turnover from the past couple of years that, Huggins has endured and this is not just past couple years it's a long time is simply players leaving and not being happy it's not i mean there there are conversations that are very frank dear player you're not going to be the guy or get the playing time that you think you might want to try somewhere else these things happen the trick here is that barring something highly comical to me which is a team that posted a social media graphic with its five returning players about loyalty Suddenly getting rid of one of those players, you're going to have guys who've been signed since November or guys who have transferred in the past couple of months. One of these guys is not going to be here to make room for Mitchell. Um, we've really kind of tiptoed around this from different things we've heard, but we've heard two names, two situations above all others. Which again, I'm following breadcrumbs here and just taking this where it's taking me from start to finish. I don't necessarily think that they're done, but one player is probably leaving. I can't see it being a, a returning player, which is five. I can't see it being one of the five transfers. That means that one of the three players who signed in November, uh, Josiah Davis, Josiah Harris, or Pat Sumnick, probably not going to make it to campus.
1: Well, one, we've seen how this could work out. I mean, in the past, going all the way back, and, and some of these were for different reasons. But, like, I, I think Elijah Macon was in, like, four straight signing classes, I feel like, mm-hmm. because he was high school and then prep school and then prep school, you know, and, and kept getting delayed. And, th- and this is something that just with a- academics for basketball are different than football in that I think it's easier to go. I mean, with prep school, you're close academically and you think you can get to where you need to be eligible in a semester, maybe two, and in basketball, that's usually, I mean that's the case too. That's not any different than than the junior college option, except when it comes to actual playing and improving and going against top talent. Prep school for football is just not even close to the same level as junior college. You're better off going to junior college, playing against top talent, bettering yourself, and getting ready for the next level. While in basketball. Staying there, doing a fifth year, and going to prep school is much better. You are going to play against the best of the best of the best when you do that. So we've seen that. And there are two high school guys that are currently signed. Um, you know, Josiah Davis came from Canada. Don't know about his you know, age, classification, that kind of stuff can can make it tricky. Maybe it's best if he does another year in prep school. Who knows? Uh, Josiah Harris just went down in the state tournament with an injury. Um, how serious is it? He hasn't said potential for surgery. Not sure. Uh, what if he's hurt and can't play this year? Is it best for him to come and just sit the bench or is it best to come and get rehab or get rehabbed and go somewhere for prep school? Don't know that answer yet either, at least as of this moment that we're recording it. And then Sumnek, who you mentioned as a, the third potential third option, Don't know what's going to happen there, but, I mean, we've seen already West Virginia take a commitment from a guy and then look at him and say, hey, you know, eh, maybe might want to look around. Might be best for both parties. Things are getting a little tight here. If you want more playing time, I mean, we'll honor it. You signed it. We have to, but might find some more playing time somewhere else. Um, and they did that with Fede Federico, who uh, right, ended up at Pitt, right? Yeah. I think. Um, again, so the, those are the three guys. I'm with you that it, it's not going to be Wagyu. It's not going to be Bell. Like they wouldn't have taken those commitments this late in the game if they weren't gone. Like that, that's a little would be off if they took a commitment and a signature at this point. The other three guys were all the early guys. So I'm just running through the scenario for each one where one of them might not be the thing. And it's and it's not some nefarious, like, oh my God, I can't believe this is so slimy. It, it's just not, that's not what it is. Everybody works together. Everybody wants to, you know, to to find their happy place, if you will. And and they've probably already talked about this with one or more of them already. And by the way, who's silent, not saying anything? Mm-hmm.
0: Those guys. Yep. They're very hard to reach. Very hard to read the tea leaves there too. Um, yeah. Listen, you can come to Morgantown and, and Redshirt shirt. I don't know. That hasn't really worked out very well. I know it's like an admirable thing, but show me great evidence of that happening. And number one, number two, players don't want a redshirt. And if you come here and you redshirt and you transfer, you lose that ability to transfer once for what, a year? You played seven games in, in 40 minutes or you didn't play at all and you just lifted weights and practiced. No, if you can prep for a part of a year or all of a year, that might be good. And it's something that's that you're seeing now, too, and it's because of the glut on the rosters. A lot of players are having to do this more than they want to and, and it's not a terrible thing too. There is a way to make it work academically, athletically. Um, and then I mean, if Harris comes in and he's not hundred percent and he misses, I don't know two weeks, four weeks, six weeks of the of the off season, preseason, this is not a situation to be coming from behind because the roster is what it is right now, especially in their front court with the way they're adding to it. if it's it's you know if it's Harris who's who's here and he's behind, you know, a Mitchell and Matthews and whomever else might be in front of him right now, is he going to get caught up And what's his first year going to be like? Those are just dynamics. Um, I'll say this. We will have more information on this on the board. It's going to be on the VIP Country It's Confidential. You can check it out. But we've been talking about this for quite some time to the point that this isn't a great surprise, which leads to our next transition, Chris. We're talking about one spot here, and I just don't think they're done. All the intel that you and I have had from the very beginning was that this was going to be in excess of one or two scholarship players. I'm not going to name the name here. There is a connection on the team and now new to the team to another guard who's in the transfer portal who could be had as very interesting. It's a name people know. But the point is that I just, I just not sure they're done. Um, if they can make, if they can make room, they're going to make room right now because they've gone this far. I just don't think that they're looking at their roster and saying, we're good. They're looking at their roster saying, where can we improve? Where can we get. A four seed in the NCAA tournament, a two seed in the Big 12 tournament. I mean, are those realistic? No. Are those goals? Absolutely. And I don't know why you would stop short right now, especially when there's so much talent in there, and there are avenues to invite them in if you can create the space. Um, I'm not saying that there's more. I'm saying there's a conversation. Certainly, it's up with the player, and you know, will that player stay in the draft? Will that player stay in the school? Will that player go to another school? Who knows? But the fact that there is a a robust conversation about one player in particular as well as other possibilities.
1: I just refuse to believe that this is the end of it right now. I'm with you. And I I, I wonder what the uh, Venn diagram is of people that are calling for Huggins to fix it and anybody that's upset about what's happening right now. Because if you want him to fix it, he's trying. He's doing everything he can. And then some, it seems like to to fix it to get the guys in that can make this a quick turnaround Um, and in the world of basketball recruiting right now college basketball recruiting and I guess college athletics in general with the transfer portal wide open and and it's always changing yeah I don't want to say there's no sense in you know banking on four-year guys getting high school kids that you hope to develop for four years but it's right there that transfer portal right there that transfer market's right there it makes it a lot easier to make a quick turnaround in sports. And West Virginia is trying to do that. And so I, I don't I don't know if these are the answers, but we're going to find out, and Bob Huggins is trying. Once again, quick
0: turnaround from you and me, Chris, the Emergency Podcast, once again in the books. Trey Mitchell on board. Other dominoes uh, falling, leaning, let's say. Stay tuned. We'll have it covered. Until it actually is finished. Until then, I'm Mike Cassaza, And I'm Chris Anderson. I'll talk to you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better